Hello and welcome to this episode of Radio Free HPC. This is where we talk about supercomputing, high-performance computing, and other technology topics. I'm Dan Olds, joined as always by my co-host Henry Newman from Seagate Government Solutions and Shaheen Khan from Orion X. Now let's get to the show. Hello everyone out there in Radio Free HPC land. It's time for another episode and this is going to be a great one. Well, at least that's what we say every time. Dan Olds here along with Shaheen Khan and Henry Newman out there. How you guys doing? Excellent. Henry? I'm doing great, Dan. It's snowing here in Minnesota. Is it? Already? Yes. Wow. Is it sticking? Oh, yeah. Well, Denver had their first snow like a month ago, but I think it didn't last yeah, but, more than a day. But, but, yeah, and this my, my guess is this will be around till April, May, somewhere <laughs> around there. Totally. <laughs> it has begun. Yes. The long winter, like they say on Game of Thrones, winter is coming. For Henry, winter is here. Well, we have a monumental guest this week. It is Jesse Lanham, or Jessica Lanham, formerly, <laughs> uh, who was a participant in the student cluster competition and is our first pre-millennial guest. How you doing, Jesse? Oh, wow. I'm doing good. I, the artist formerly known as Jessica Lanham. Thanks for that introduction. Yeah. Yeah, I like to build it up. Thanks. Never been described yeah. as monumental before, but we'll go with it. Yeah. Yeah. She's vibrant. She's bubbly. She knows her stuff. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing, Jesse. All right. So I'm studying cybersecurity at Purdue University and pretty much got involved with HPC by a fluke. Uh, they put out a call for, hey, anybody want to be on a cluster team? And I was like, what's a cluster team? So I showed up, fell in love with it, and suddenly I'm here. And you were on the 2018 Purdue team? Yes, that's correct. Nicely done. And she's going to give us some special perspective into what it's like. This is our 2019 preview edition of the student cluster competition. So, yeah, so very cool to have you on. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, no problem. So what I guess we ought to do is uh, let's quickly go through the teams that are going to be there, and I'll break down their game a little bit. You guys chime in and play along at home. Well, you can't chime in at home, but the folks on the call can. I'm going to go ahead and attack this in alphabetical order. There are 16 teams, and, and first of all, I guess I should give a little background, although it seems like millions and millions of people are following these competitions now. Yeah, really. But these are competitions where undergraduate teams from universities get together, build their own cluster, work with sponsors to get it specced out just right. Then they optimize it, learn applications, tune the applications, and then compete live on the show floor at SC19 and other events to see who brought the best system and put together the best system on a, for an array of benchmarks and applications. And got more out of them than everybody yes, else. That's the whole key. And Dan, I got a question. Mm -hmm. There seem to be a lot of international teams here. How do they pick who gets to, you know, come and you know because you only have, can have so many slots yeah is there a qualifying round there isn't a qualifying round for this competition what they have them do and jessica chime in if i'm missing anything here but you have to put in an application you have to put in essentially a white paper about what you're planning to do and why you think that you're a good team and why you think you'll win and, but wait a second jessica i really want you to chime in because it's not if dan was wrong it's when so jessica <laughs> would you tell us about it please no like that that's about standard and i came in far like later in the process when they already told us like we will have a team 
So I'm not even sure what it's like to petition for a team because I was just told, all right, we got one. You want to be on it? Great. So yeah, yeah. Sounds sounds about right though. Yeah, about right, and that's about as close as I come. And how many people are in each team? Uh, six. Yeah, max of six. And it's a little bit different in some other competitions. Like, for instance, the China competition, you have to actually run some code on their machines and prove that you can do it to get in. Mm. So it's a little yeah. more rigorous. Yeah. Yeah, but anybody who's going, yeah, I'm, I wouldn't worry about that. If you're going to send people and spend the money, then you're in the game. So, Dan, let's go through the teams. Let's do it. We're going to start with ETH Zurich, which is sponsored by the CSCS in Switzerland, which is handy. This is a very cool team. They came into ISC last year for the first time ever, and they took home bronze in Linpack, which was a huge thing for a first-time team to do. This is their first trip across the water to SC. Yeah, they, they really premiered well. They're run by a guy, a great guy, named Hussein Hadraki who is their coach and probably, I don't know, inquisitor, torturer, <laughs> something like that. That's an awesome name. It sounds like a superhero. It is. And it's, he's it, like it, a superhero. His, his name is, it's not a Vladimir? No. Vlad the no, he'd be, no, he would be a great Vladimir. I could just see him running them up and down <laughs> the mountains around Zurich while he rides behind him on an ATV. All right, next one, Dan. Next one up is FAU, Friedrich Alexander Universität from Erlingen, Nuremberg. That's my horrible German accent. They've been around a long time. This is their 11th competition. They've done six SCs. They've done two ISCs and three ASCs. And they've taken home a couple of Linpac awards. These were the first guys to run eight GPUs on a single node. Uh-huh. That's a lot of power. And, uh, yeah, it's impressive. That is a lot of power. As they found it's, out. Uh, it's one big node. As they found out, they couldn't run all 16 on their two-node system. So they were down to about 12. And I think that's what brought home Linpac for them at ISC. Next one up, Nanyang Technological University, the pride of Singapore. They have also been in 11 different competitions, and when they win, they win big. For instance, uh, at SC a couple of years ago, they took home the gold medal and Linpack. And at a different competition, they took home silver and Linpack. And they've got a couple of other silver uh, medals in there, too. Very strong team. That sounds like they optimized for Linpack. Uh, You know, they did, but sort of by accident, they accidentally won the other ones, too. So very solid team, very good optimization. Speaking of that, one of the teams that's done the most competitions is next, and it's National Tsinghua University from Taiwan. Mm-hmm. They've been in a total of 17. Oh, wow. Huh. Yikes. And they have, were back in the early days. They won, they've won uh, three gold awards, silver, bronze, four Linpack prizes, and most recently, they took home the gold wow. at the ASC competition, the first non-mainland China team to win. Interesting. Wow. That was impressive. Next up, North Carolina State University. This is their very first competition. Don't know much about their cluster game. It's hard to say with these new teams. Well, North Carolina State is in the research triangle, the most PhDs in the country as a percentage of population. I would think that they you know, they have some good coaching there. Yeah, yeah, they're going to need it. Next up is another one of the powerhouse Chinese teams, Peking University. This is their fourth competition. If I would say that Tsinghua and Peking University are sort of the MIT and Harvard of 
of China. China. But this is not national Tsinghua. No. This is just Tsinghua. No, this is Peking University. The Tsinghua you just mentioned is not the same Tsinghua as the national. No, it's the Tsinghua from Beijing. Right, right. Oh, okay. And we'll okay. get to them in a minute. Right. Then we have uh, your alma mater, Jesse, Purdue University. This will be the 14th time that they've competed. Whoop, whoop. Here we go. Yeah. Is it an all-female team again this year? It's not. It's not. Female and male. Okay. Yeah. And Jesse, I'm going to ask you when we, we Dan finally gets done, I want to understand, because we've never been able to talk about this, what's the strategy? Tell us about how strategy is done. Yes. Yes. Okay. That would be very cool. All right. Finish the team roundup. Still though. rolling through. Uh, Shanghai Jiao Tong University. I love these guys. I love these kids. Nine times in the competition. They've taken home a couple of silver and a bronze award. Cool thing about these kids is that there was always one guy who was sort of their team spokesperson. And I got to know him over the years. He's now their coach oh. and he's now driving it forward. That's cool. Yeah. Isn't it? I like so that. now did he, yeah. did he become a professor or how'd that happen? I think he's a grad student. Okay, good. Good for him. Yeah, he's driving it forward. Gotta love that. Yeah, that's some great mentorship. So it's just like sports then. When you stop competing, you become a coach. That's right. Or you, go, <laughs> you could also become a sportscaster. Or you go professional. Which is what I did, so hey. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there you yeah. go. There you <laughs> and you can go pro, professional clustering. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, some of them go down into the underground clustering that as much as we've tried, it's still around. <laughs> but we'll talk about that another time. Uh, next up is Shanghai Tech University. They came out of nowhere and took home the silver at ASC two years ago and did pretty damn well at ISC. I think they came in fourth, but they're a, a very new school in Shanghai that's focused just on the technology. And I'm looking for some looking for them to move into the upper echelon this year. Let's see if they confirm that early promise that they had. Next up is University of Tartu, the pride of Estonia, and this will be their fifth competition. They've been to ASC in, in China. They've been to ISC three times. This is their first trip to the U.S. for SC. They were the team that was the topic of what I like to call Sunday Bloody Sunday Why at ISC. Why is it? What happened? Yeah, do explain that. What happened is they, they brought a cluster. This was their first appearance. They brought a cluster that was made up of a lot of very tiny single processor systems. Problem is their power supplies didn't get shipped. Oh, that's a nightmare. They Oh, it was. So what what they do? Saturday, they went out and stripped every power supply in the entire city of Frankfurt from the PC power supplies on up to whatever they could get. And problem is they had to make a, uh, a custom connection to those power supplies to power their little serverlets. And so they're down there with knives and particularly the team captain. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Injury. he cut himself, not severely, but moderately, but he refused to stop splicing those cables together and get medical attention until after the job was done. Welcome to student cluster competition. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that, that's awesome, though. That was the first human blood powered system. <laughs> and he was okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. And actually, it sounds somewhat ill advised. I, it's the blood, yeah. sweat, and tears of student chain. You know, it's kind of like. As long as at the end, everybody's alive. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we count live team members at the end just to make sure. Exactly. Just to make sure. Next up is a first-time competitor, but has an old-school pedigree. It's what I'm calling Team Tennessee, which is University of Tennessee, Pellissippi State College, Maryville College, backed by the mighty Oak Ridge National Laboratory. Excellent. Ooh. And it'll be interesting to see what they could do. 
uh, University of Tennessee competed a couple of times several years ago, and they did pretty well. They came in second, I believe, but new team, clean slate. We'll see what they do. Dan, who's the coach? Dunno. Has not been released. Does he have all his fingers? Team Tartu, by the way, the coach of that is the guy who cut his hand. <laughs> no, he's back for more blood. He is back for more blood. <laughs> you got to type though, Dan. That's what I was concerned about. Not relevant. He has, he has enough. Not relevant. <laughs> you don't cluster with your fingers, Henry. Two fingers only. That's yeah, all you only need two. That's right. Well, and you only need one for traffic. Um <laughs> University of Warsaw is next up. This is, uh, I keep thinking they're a new team, but they've been around for seven competitions. They went to China twice. They've been to ISC twice, and they've been to SC three times. And these were the guys, Shaheen, that were using the Giga IO interconnect. Right, right. I remember that. Yes. Yeah. This brings us to the team that has the most illustrious record in student cluster competition in the whole game, and that's Tsinghua University from Beijing. 19 competitions, seven in China, eight at ISC, four at SC. They've won overall seven gold medals, two silvers, two bronzes. They are the team to beat. Wherever they go, it's just really tough. And I think what separates them from everyone else is that they really, really know how to control the power. Really? That's the thing. And it's uh, a tough team to beat, but... They got beat last year twice, which is concerning. Yeah. Yeah, they got. So they will show no mercy now. Yeah. You got to wonder if their time has passed or if it's if they're going to be coming back in a huge way. They got beat by NTHU. That's National Tsinghua University from Taiwan at ASC. And then they got beat by CHPC from South Africa at ISC. Well, then you keep track of these things and you have for the better part of a decade. Is there a correlation between how well you do this time and how well you do next time? Because you have a different team, different hardware. It's a lot of variables that change. Yeah. And I think it's mostly comes down to the students themselves, not the hardware mm. so much. And when Tsinghua was having their, they had a golden period where twice they won every major competition. Huh, it's Grand Slam. Wow. Grand Slam, the Triple Crown. And that was with the same student team. Yes, okay. All right. Getting towards the end now, we have the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign. This is their fourth, and it used to be Champaign-Urbana. It was always Urbana-Champaign. No, it used to be Champaign-Urbana. Dan is correct, and I think that might be a typo. When did it switch? They switched it around. Or, 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 wait, wait, or it could be a Dano. Uh, oh, that's a good one. Uh, or is nice. it depends on what college you talk about? No, it's the same school. I don't know. I've always heard it as Urbana Champagne. When I lived there, it was Champagne no, Urbana. Well, I'm going to agree with Shaheen. On yeah. That one. Shaheen, you're backwards. No, I'm never wrong, as you know. <laughs> well, I, we will, we will research that, but this is their fourth appearance. They've been at four SCs. They took home a bronze at SC 17. They're also, I believe, working closely with Argonne. Interesting. Very strong. Which is a pretty cool thing. Yes. Getting towards the end now, University of Washington, first-time competitor. Don't know what to look for. I think they've got a pretty good computer science labs up there, probably funded by Microsoft, Amazon, and others. In fact, that university is just on a rocket ship right now because of all the investments. It's a very fine university. Well, I guess we'll see. I mean, if they can't cluster... That's true. What good are they? Then what do they really have? (laughs) Yeah. Is there the cloud computing component again this year? Not that I can tell, no. 
Oh, okay. Because I would say that would be one area where if you've got tie-ins with Microsoft, they'd be like, here, here you go. This is how this works. Yeah, that would help out. And Amazon. That would help out. <laughs> and Boeing. Yeah. And, and Boeing. Yeah. And, True. And, yeah. Yeah. Last University is a two-time competitor, Wake Forest, the Demon Deacons, or as they say, the Damon Deacons. Mm. So what'll they be doing? Bunch of applications, the usuals, HPL, Lidpack, HPCG. Here's one that's going to get your attention, Henry. They're running a scaled-down version of the IO500. Oh, nice. I heard that. I heard that from uh, John Bent, who we've interviewed on this show a couple times. Yeah. How demanding do you think that'll be, Henry? I don't know what parts, and he didn't know what parts that they were chosen from it, but I was going to try to find out. So I don't know the answer. Okay. You know, right there, that could tip the balance if you didn't optimize for IO. Yeah. Yes. It, yeah, it depends on what the weighting is. Mm, exactly. What is the weighting? I don't know. This is a whole new world, though. Well, at least it's non-zero. It's probably... But if you get, if you get a zero on something that's 1%, what difference? You know, it's not really that... doesn't yeah, matter. No, it, it'll be rated more than that. Uh, it'll probably be rated. I think that the the uh, benchmarks. There are only like seven or eight of them anyway, right? Well, the benchmark, the Linpack and the HPCG usually account for 10 or 15% total, both of them. Mm. And so that leaves between 10 and 15 points for each of the others. Right. And uh, I think this will have probably, again, 10, 15% weighting. Mm-hmm. But this is a whole new world. They've never had in any cluster competition, never had to optimize for I.O. in this way. Uh, other applications, VPIC, particle and cell simulation code, nothing I know about. SST, structural simulation toolkit, again, I'll pass. <laughs> you know, SST ordinarily stands for supersonic transport. It did. Yeah. But not in this context. The reproducibility challenge, they're reproducing a paper the results of a paper, and this one has something to do with gravity and planets and such. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a title whose words I understand separately and then was intellectually dismayed to see together. Well, there are a lot of things <laughs> if, they're, if it's parallel and they're doing an all-reduce and they're not doing it in a, in a similar order, it'd be interesting to know what the criteria is for reproducibility. Is it three decimal places, five decimal places? How many is it? Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting. Well, Dan? That's a good point. I don't know either. You need to check that out. I will check that out. And I think it's probably printed somewhere, too. But I will yeah, run that but down. Yeah, but it's always good to know those things. It is. Because, you know. I mean, they've yeah. got the paper posted as well. They do. So they do. that's always a good read. Last up on the application side is a mystery application. I always am pulling for Microsoft Minesweeper but we yeah. don't know. <laughs> I'd like to see if that scales. Maybe it's Minecraft. Yes, please have it be Minecraft. That would be so funny. <laughs> that would be very cool. Uh, they also do a power shutoff at least once, typically in the dead of night and probably twice. That's been anticlimactic. There really hasn't been any issue with it. Mm. So it's a solved um, problem now. It's a solved problem. It's... You know, the systems come back up. The only thing it does is it keeps at least one kid in the booth at all times. Mm-hmm. Now, Dano, the list that you sent around had other names attached to the teams. 
like football teams have. Yeah, they come up with their little nicknames, and I thought they were. You make up a nickname. Is it, is it from them or is it from you? That's from them. That's not me. No, you you submit a name. So you're not being Bluto. <laughs> flounder. Team, uh, team Flounder. What were you going to say, Henry? <laughs> you know, it's pretty difficult to do this, and you're making light of it, and they're not kids. No, true, true. But when we're as old as we are, People in their mid fifties okay. seem like kids. <laughs> young, young collegiate individuals, he says. Yes, I hope I'm not triggering anyone by calling them youngsters or kids or anything like that. And some of us are older than mid fifties, by the way. I know. Yeah. It's scary. So, Jesse, let's get into some firsthand experience. Yeah, all right. What was it like to be a first time competitor on a first time team? Yeah, it was. It was pretty nuts. I think not having gone to SC before. That was the big kicker because it's really hard to convey to a kid who's gone to, you know, a few conferences here and there, but nothing as big as SC, Mm -hmm. just how intense it is. So you show up and you're like, holy cow, there's like the same amount of people here as my university. Like, it's insane. (laughs) And you're seeing all the big names up there and their booths and all that stuff. Yeah, and they they let us in to unpack our clusters and to get set up before the showroom floor had opened. And I, you know, made sure everything was in the booth and then ran around and was just looking at all of these half-packed boxes, like, you know, touching things I wasn't supposed to really touch, just to be like, NASA's is here, guys. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> isn't that cool yeah it was like a little kid how do you train for it so training for it would be probably a question you want to ask some of the returning folks if you get a chance at sc because when i came onto it it was more of like how do we learn this in the first place because i had never even touched a cluster before so they're like all right so you're gonna you're gonna log into the cluster and i just sort of sat there and was like huh? how, how do i do that like is there a thing What's for that the, uh, <laughs> you, got a, you got an app for that yeah just what, what, what do you mean by logging in just just that was sort of an obstacle to overcome. But for, yeah, for me, it was mostly learning what we would consider the rudimentary basics of of what this even all entailed. Were you familiar with Linux at all? A little bit because of cybersecurity. Yeah. Mm. But as far as command line stuff went, no, that was entirely new for me. So when I started learning stuff for the competition, I was using Nano and basically got pulled aside by one of the folks working uh, with our team was like, please use Vim. (laughs) Just just stop. (laughs) So the the day that I sent in a help request to one of the folks that was helping with our team and was like, yeah, so anyway, I'm editing this and sent like a a screenshot of what I was editing and it was in Vim. The only response I got back was, she's off Nano. Were you kind of in charge of the hardware for your team? Yeah, I was. That was totally on accident because they were sort of like, all right, who's interested in hardware? And me being the kid that likes to run outside and, you know, play around was just like, yeah, sure. If I can touch it, that's cool. Yeah. Um, So I just sort of volunteered and it was something I knew nothing about. So I figured, perfect. You know, pieces (laughs) in a box. Where do these go? (laughs) (laughs) So so really sounds like your training was sort of... uh, perilous that you just did it as you could you were just tossed in yeah um which was kind of i think for me it it varies on the individual for me that was the best way to learn Mm -hmm. because it's yeah it was literally pieces in a box have fun and and build and obviously there was some oversight and, and and help with that but even understanding what interconnect was that was something that was totally new for me. I was like, so it's an Ethernet cable that if I step on, I'll cry. So it, it, was, it was pretty pretty intensive. Um, now, did you guys have like a game plan, a strategy? 
division of labor? How does that how does that part of it work? Sort of. So we had folks that had worked specifically on certain applications. So I had worked almost exclusively on Horovod, um, which was Uber's open source framework for TensorFlow. Mm-hmm. And a couple other people had handpicked applications that they found most interesting. And that's how we had sort of divided up the labor of who did what leading up to the competition. In retrospect, something that we should have done differently was having everybody do everything so that we wouldn't have people that were sort of left on their own problem solving. Uh, so Yeah, and you have to do that because people need to sleep. Even at your age, you eventually have to sleep. You're supposed to? Yeah. Oh, my word. Eventually, you have to. <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing about this competition. I mean, not to mention the training, but in this competition, it's a 46-hour marathon. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I slept like single-digit number of hours. Or something insane. It was not. Yeah, was that really way, necessary? Whoa, 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 Did you whoa, guys? Whoa. For you should not have had to sleep at all. <laughs> I know. <laughs> where where were the Red Bull? Where were the stimulants? Let's go. Yeah, I yeah, mean, you, I, I I did many times at you know upper forty hours working straight. You you should and much older than that. You you should not have slept at all. <laughs> okay, really. but this is really too long to not sleep at all. Is it what it, the total thing is about four five days? No, it's it's forty six hours. From the, uh, 40, 40, okay, 46 hours is barely doable, yeah. Yeah, from the time that the flag, the opening, the starting flag comes down till the finish line is 46. But it's not like you roll off bed and do this. You have to like travel and get there and set yeah. it up and then the timer goes off. there's a certain off. level yes. of like having to make intellectual decisions off of very little sleep. Yes. <laughs> it just, it just kind of goes out the window. Like, why did you do that? I can't even tell you to this day. Like, <laughs> it seemed like a good idea at the time. Very nice. That's fantastic. So you got very little sleep during the entire competition. Yes. How, how long did you guys, what month did you start working on this? I think we started in either May or June. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. It was the largest learning enough. curve of my life. We'll put it that way. I could imagine <laughs> because a lot of teams start in April, which I think is when you first find out yeah. that you're in. Yeah, it was it was definitely so if you can imagine sort of me all like bright eyed and bushy tailed, it was mostly not even like the bright eyed coming from excitement, but like, you know, slightly contained <laughs> panic of I just learned how to SSH into this thing. And now yeah. we're bringing it up from a power shutdown. All right, <laughs> nice. here we go. So that's great. though. What was the what was the toughest thing about the competition itself? Yeah, I I would say for me it was when they first gave out the initial data sets because oh, yeah. w- what am I supposed to do with this was was like the first thing like you know in theory shove it into the application run the thing right yeah. But when they purposely give you data sets that are super massive and again with the sleep deprivation you're you're trying to figure out what's the best way to manage this large amount of data and especially when you've only trained on say examples that were included in the GitHub repository or, or yes. other much smaller, almost benchmarking type sets of data to be given the complete opposite of that, or you know, good luck even trying to make this run. It won't run in forty-eight hours. Pare it down. Is okay. Where well, do I start? prioritized. Yes, prioritize. Where are you going to get your points? Exactly. Which was something and- that I think I. I did not have the the strain of mind to do effectively last year, um, and it's definitely something that I think should be like warning, warning to new teams to be like, all right, 
the data sets is going to be the worst part. Take your sweet time in figuring out where you need to be putting things. Yes. And that's something I've written before that you need to prioritize because you're not going to get everything done. No. It's that built was that definitely, way. At least for me, a newcomer, oh, they intentionally want us to fail. Neat, 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 neat. But I only found that out afterwards. <laughs> Yeah, that they definitely give you too much for your plate. It kind of reminds me of an anecdote from several years ago that um, they were given the task to do some hash decryption, password decryption. Oh, I was told about that one. Yeah. Yeah. And they were given like five different data sets. And most teams, except for one or two, maybe just one, started out with, well, data set number one, let's start working on it. Turns out that these hashes were different lengths. Mm -hmm. And so one of the teams figured out that, wait a minute, this is X number of characters. This is Y number of characters. Let's start on the ones with the smaller character set first. And they just cranked on through. And I think that was the margin between victory and defeat for them. That was uh, NTHU. Nice. Did that. Yeah. Very yeah, smart. I think because we, we were originally told now that I'm recalling all of these past traumatic memories, no, uh, <laughs> was, yeah, they will give you more than you can handle. And that was the example that we were given was, okay, and then it was like this one time. But with that, they also, you're not sure when it's your first time, just how much are they going to give me that's over what I can handle? Is it like a little yes. bit or is it a lot? There's, there's no sense of scale. And that's, that, and that's why yes. having, being back, more than one year or talking to people, maybe you should send this out to all the people who, the new groups that are competing, Dan, so that they ha get some background on this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, awful lot of these tips though are up there in the stories. And remember I had those people from Redline, yep. the HBC yep, performance I know folks. Yeah. Car that's exactly who I interviewed was Carolyn. And she gave uh, a good 30 minutes worth of tips and traps and things to do for the students. So let's hope they're doing that. Dan, uh, for those people who are going to be at the show, can you go visit it? Uh, is it okay? Oh, yeah. is, do people, you're encouraged to. You're encouraged to. And where is it? It's usually yeah, it's in It's usually some, in a corner. Uh, back yeah, it's area. usually in a corner. Yeah. But uh, the students are there. They're happy to talk. Uh, <laughs> did you talk to a lot of folks, Jessica? Yes. I Okay. About that. Yeah, you can go talk to the students. They're there. I didn't know that people were going to be doing that. I, it was sort of, it was, oh, really? <laughs> I'm serious. I wasn't warned about that ahead of time. So it was kind of like being in zoo where like you have yeah. your little, your booth. It's, it, it reminds you of a Kurt Vonnegut book. <laughs> Slaughterhouse. Right? Uh, yeah. whatever. Cause like for yeah. me, I was in the actual yeah. booth sitting on the floor doing my thing. And then people would come in and like peer over the, the side of our booth and be like, how's it going? And they're just sort of like, oh, well. <laughs> and they're not even bringing any coffee or anything. No, which is the other thing. Like, go say hi, but bring them some snacks, you know? Like, we can't leave the booth. We're stranded here. <laughs> and you never know who's walking by because uh, some of the biggest names in HPC We'll That's just right. wander the student right. cluster competition area. Yeah, which which is equally kind of unnerving because we had the was the undersecretary for the Department of Energy show up. Oh, no kidding. Yes, last year because I was again sitting there, very little sleep, just totally like what's going on? I I look like trash. I haven't showered, and then yeah, somebody walks by and goes, oh, and by the way, he's coming over. Oh, and I was just sort of like, neat. Okay, this is fine. And one of my good friends was there as a student volunteer, ran and got her blazer out of the hotel 
hotel and like threw it to me maybe three minutes before he showed up. And I threw that on on top of my grubby t-shirt and was like, here, I've been prepared all along. Very nice. Very nice. And you'll always get a visit from the Frank Sinatra of HPC, Jack Dongara as well. (laughs) Yes. That's, That's a hallmark moment. (laughs) <laughs> so anything else, anything we didn't ask or we should have asked about what's happening when you're actually in the jaws of the beast? No, I, I think that's it. I mean, a lot of what goes in for student cluster competition that, that doesn't get advertised on the back end is a lot of faculty and staff, professors, or whoever sort of selflessly pours into these students. And in my case, teaching them from, from day one and ground zero of how to do this stuff, but also fine-tuning these students and giving them direction Mm. that are really valuable and really important. Excellent stuff. And thank you so much. Maybe we'll have you back on the uh, Cluster Wrap-Up show when we go over the results and stuff. That'd be great. Yeah, sounds good. I can get my Cluster Sportscasting degree in here. Actually, you can do a little color commentary with me when I'm going around (laughs) interviewing the teams. That'd be fun. Perfect. Yeah, we'll do that. That'll be great. But you know. <laughs> Those who can't do commentate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we need to get matching blazers, though, like the old oh, ABC can we sport. <laughs> like the yes. mustard. Like really wide lapels. And, yes. and wide lapels and multicolor plaid. And you got to have a big patch that has Radio Free HPC on yes. it. Yes. I'm down. We're doing it. Or a student, great. Or a student. I need to make up a student cluster competition emblem. Yes. <laughs> or computer we, sports. These sleep-deprived kids are going to look up and be like, I'm hallucinating. Great. This is fine. It's <laughs> <laughs> Keith Jackson. Huh. Great stuff. But you know what it's time for right now? We're hearing something. Henry Newman's Reasons Why No One Should Be Online. Ever. Ever. Never. Ever online, ever. Yes. Never, ever. So this week was a really kind of scary one. Orbitz, the the high-end fly retailer, didn't get hacked and have their database of all their customers taken away. No, Orbitz was owned. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Orvis or Orbitz? Orvis. Orvis. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Pronunciation issue. It's from being in the basement too long in the dark (laughs) here in Minnesota. (laughs) Anyway, their whole system was owned. The routers. Oh, wow. The the servers, all the network switches, the firewalls, everything. That's terrifying. Yeah. So my guess is long term that all the credit card information and all the retail stuff will eventually be out there. But they, you know, because they had everything they owned, they owned the site. For Do we know for how long? Yeah, but they think they know how long, but it was a good article in Krebs. It started in August and they found it in October. Oh, that's long <laughs> enough to get everything. <laughs> yeah. You think they could get everything by uh-huh. then? But how do you, how do you kick them out once they own it? They're the ones who own it. They should be kicking you out. Well, you basically you basically go down the hardware and you firmware upgrade everything and you create you basically have to do a new new image of everything. And you and this is a good example of why everyone should have all their drives encrypted. Because at that point you want to crypto erase all the drives before so the, there's nothing left yeah. on the drives. So yeah, everything. Amazing. You start over. It's a do-over. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. 
after going that many months without noticing, perhaps we shouldn't do over. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you almost want to buy everything again if you could. Now, <laughs> so this is why physical possession of the hardware is important. Well, yeah, uh, yes. yes. But also, if you're not equipped, and, and forgive the pun, equipped to really manage your system from a technology point of view, then maybe you're better off in the cloud. Right, because they have physical possession. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, go to the cloud. You deserve it. You don't. You haven't earned the right. You have not earned the right to run your own hardware. Well, on-prem is not for everybody. That's such a quotable line. Yes. Yes. Anyway, that very good, Henry. That's a great one. And another sound in the distance. that we all know, except Jessica, signals it's time for the catch of the week. And as our guest, Jessica, you go first with yours. Okay, here we go. So with Veterans Day earlier this week, I wanted to find something that referenced to that. And what's going on is Palo Alto Networks is offering a free series of cybersecurity courses for veterans. Nice. So, yeah. So what happens is there's a series of these free courses that culminates in, I believe it's two exams for which Palo Alto is going to pay for. Uh, So you can become, I think it's Network Security Administrator Certified and then their Cybersecurity Associate Certified. Can Orvis Orvis take the class? (laughs) (laughs) Please sign them up for that. I think what they just went through qualifies as having served. (laughs) Yeah. A veteran of a war. Yeah. Or else go ahead and just use them as your walking, talking case study. Very, very true. They're a lab at this point. Yeah. That's a very good catch of the week. Nice job. Good job, Pat Alton Networks. Yeah, very good. Henry, what do you got? I've got a good one, and I I probably should have seen this quite a while ago. But SpaceX put up a bunch of satellites last, well, earlier this week, and I did not realize that they're going to create a LEO satellite constellation over North America. And in 2020, they're going to turn on internet service to people in their home. And they claim the bandwidth is going to exceed some of the things we're getting out of Comcast and others. We shall see. But I see, given that the bandwidth problems at the edge and the need for content delivery, given that Amazon's doing a similar thing, now SpaceX is doing it, that we shall see that the next frontier for the internet is not going to be fiber digging fiber on interstates. It's going to be up in, up in space. So that's my, predi- wow. my prediction. No more fiber rockets, outer space rockets. Here we go. Yeah. I wonder what that's going to cost. I think it's cheaper than digging fiber with all the eminent domain issues. And I think with 5G, I think all the, that... Everybody's getting ready for it, Dan. That's my two cents. Wow. Now, when when you get out there, do you have to claim it or is it all for the taking? You know, there's I don't know the details. I do believe there's a UN treaty and there's some kind of agreement, but I don't know how commercial space works versus government space and and also a gene just FYI. I'm not an attorney. No. I, I always get that mixed up. Henry. Yeah. <laughs> we, all the time, people are mixing you up with being an attorney. I'd love to know their backup plans for like what happens if something fails up so there. So who gets to restart the router up there? Well, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be, it's the new internet frontier. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, there's quite a bit out there. There's, I mean, if you look at the video of Leo Labs that we put up some months ago. Yep. It's like a fuzzball around the earth. Yep. There's another company that's going to be doing a cloud in space called Space. 
space belt. There's a lot of stuff going on. Interesting. Suddenly space debris everywhere. Wow. Interesting stuff. Shaheen, that brings us to you. Well, speaking of interesting, I did a talk on the future of money because it has to do with cryptocurrencies and blockchain and all. And as you know, my colleague Steve Perno publishes, uh, actually, it's a good time to bring that up. He's going to publish his next crypto super 500 list that's going to come out sometime next week. And that will be the third installment looking at all the hashing power that these cryptocurrencies are using around the world, and it's substantial computing power. But my catch is not that. My catch is that uh, one of the things that cryptocurrencies are doing is timestamping transactions. So in a way, they give you a, a feeling for what time it is based on just which transaction we're working on right now. And transactions are in terms of blocks. So he's come up with Satoshi time. Satoshi, as a reference to Satoshi Nakamoto, the unknown author of the original paper for Bitcoin. And instead of what time it is, the question is what block it is. So he's come up with a calendaring and time system that is based on how blockchains operate. And for example, the day he wrote his paper, it was block year 12, block month 5, and block day 134. And there's a pretty good correlation between the block time and the block year and the block month. And every block takes about 10 minutes and the difficulty of the hashing gets adjusted so that it is still going to take 10 minutes. It's quite fascinating. So I'll put that up and you go see it. This could very well be the first time you hear about something that will be very, very common, maybe some years and decades from now. You think we're going to have, we're going to be keeping score by block time? I think for certain things we will, because it just makes sense. Because if you're keeping track of transactions on a block, mapping it back and forth to our daily time may not really be appropriate, especially with all the time zones. Whereas block time is universal and it keeps track of exactly which block you're referring to. So it could very well be useful. Just like air traffic controllers around the world use the same time. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Interesting stuff. My catch of the week has to do with that Disney Plus service that rolled out and it's had a lot of problems on the first day or two, but you can kind of see why, because they had at least 3.2 million downloads of the app Whoa. and served up 1.3 million hours of viewing in the first day. They talk about running out of bandwidth. And it's estimated that they already have 10 million people committed to it. Wow. Yeah. And by the way, that's all at 4K, Henry. Wow. If you want it. You know what? Comcast is going to make a fortune with 4K. You're going to exceed your terabyte or whatever a download you get, a terabyte of IO pretty quickly with that. <laughs> and they're charging $7 a month, $6.99 to be more exact. Dang. Yeah. But you know- What's Netflix charging? Netflix, that's a great, that's my- Great segue. Uh -huh. uh, Netflix's cheapest plan is like $13 a month. I thought it's nine, isn't it? Okay. Not anymore. Mm. Uh, there, well, there's there's a, a tiny one for nine, but I think that's DVDs only. I don't think that streams. It's for the one person who lives not connected to the internet after listening to Henry's advice. Yes. Yes, exactly. Who's decided they will not go on. This is comparable to Netflix's $16 a month tier. Everything that you get. Guys, folks. I can't say guys anymore, folks. The whole world is changing. And content delivery at the edge, we're going to exceed the internet bandwidth. And this is why I believe Mr. Musk and others are putting up lower satellites. Well, they're all coming. Apple now has their streaming and... Uh, you know, is there... So, so remember, I'm not supposed to give financial advice, but... <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is something like 7,500 
TV episodes that are available, and I believe five, six hundred movies. Does Disney Plus like make their own sort of as how Netflix has their Netflix original movies and TV shows? Yes, the Dis- they have an equivalent. Disney yes, Disney includes okay. Pixar. It includes all the Marvel original shows. And oh, movies that'll and stuff. do it. It's all the classic Disney stuff. Yep. There's a lot, a lot of content. People's childhood and all their superheroes. Yeah, and that's seven bucks. Fork it over. Oh, and plus, hold on to yourselves. The new Star Wars series, the Malarians or the Marmots or something like that. Mandalorian. Dan. Oh, I've been corrected. <laughs> so the Mandalorians are up there now, too. Brand new. Just an extension of the lame star, ever more lame. How star dare Wars you Empire. say that in my presence, Dan? <laughs> That's it. I'm on one 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 episode and I'm off for that. You're done. Comment. No. <laughs> We're done with no, this. No, no, no. Jesse, anybody give Stan a hard time. And by the way, the Mandalorian has a budget of $15 million per episode, which is higher than... Certainly higher than our budget per episode. (laughs) Yes. Ours barely approaches that, but Game of Thrones didn't hit that kind of spending until its final season. I'm going to have to watch that sooner or later. Yeah, that's where my $7 is going in. Game of Thrones? No, Mandalorians. He should watch. I don't think Henry's seen the original Star Wars. What? That is factually (laughs) incorrect. (laughs) Good. As that was the usual, last Dan. movie he saw. That's the last movie he saw in a theater. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this has been just a delightful episode. Thank you so much, Jesse. It was great having you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thank you out there, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it, all 16 of you. <laughs> and let's go ahead and call that an episode of Radio Free HPC. Boom. Boom. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Radio Free HPC. And as a quick note, the views and opinions of Henry Newman are his and do not reflect any policy or position of Seagate Government Solutions or Seagate Technology. Thank you for listening.